Nyt. This is Ryder Shafiq presenting IMC. Here I'm going to be interviewing other MCs and vocalists, exploring how their background and identity informs and influences their work today. It's about looking a little deeper, being a bit more reflective and digging into how we create and perform and the role the vocalists play in modern society and the influence that we have. So yeah, this is Ryder Shafiq and you're in tune to IMC on Nudes Radio. Hope you enjoy. Shadow, Shadow. This is a MC trigger. You are locked into IMC with Ryder Shafiq. Don't move a muscle. Bah. This is the first episode, so I've gone to one of my close brethren, both musically and in real life. So yeah, introduce yourself. Yeah, my name's Mikel, aka DreadMC, and I'm surprised you said I'm your close brethren. It's the first yeah, we're thing. we're not close brethren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real good friend, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both from the same area in Gloucester. We both grew up together, known of each other. Um, we both do a lot of works now in Bristol. Um, but Jed, let me know, or tell me how you first got into music. Um, the first thing I can say easily is my dad had a science system growing up. And it wasn't like regular that we would have a blues in the house, but there would be a lot of parties in the house. So that's definitely the first thing. And my mum would always play a lot of music in the house. What kind of music did your parents listen to? My dad almost like strictly listened to, not really so much dad, but I listened to a lot of reggae. Yeah. And before Bashment came out, it would have been the kind of Bashment vibe. Dancehall kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely dancehall. Like 80s dancehall. Yeah, and then almost into the 90s, like the kind of Shakademus and Pliers kind of thing. And then he was into like soul, like, but not so much, but it was definitely just strictly reggae almost that you'd play. You'd oh, like yeah. one or two hip hop tunes maybe, but I can't even think of any. Okay, what about what about your mum? What kind of music did your mum listen to? My mum would listen to a variation of a lot of different music. She would listen to more roots music and actually play like some Naya Bingy tracks, some actual like Rasta music. Then she would listen to like Tracy Chapman, and then I have like someone like Lieutenant Stitchy playing. She was into Motown. She, but she definitely played like a variation of different music in the house, but that was regular. Did, did you like your parents' music? Yeah, I loved it really. Yeah. And I loved having um, records in the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember getting told off badly for because I was trying to scratch, but it wasn't, I weren't doing it on the deck. So we'd have the decks, but my dad was like, don't touch the decks. So then I was using it on the actual science system, the hi-fi system, but scratching the records on there. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, and I scratched up a couple of his dubs and I was like, well, boy, I won't be a DJ then. So that's probably why I touched Mike more. more. So what, what is your, is your, is your background? 
culturally, um, both parents from your, your no, dad's from Jamaica. My, my, my right? dad's from well. Check the history a little bit. Both of my grandparents are from Jamaica. Yeah. On both sides, yeah. Yeah, both sides. Yeah. And then there's like there's Chinese in our blood and Cuban in our blood. And I think even further back, there's like some Scottish in the blood. And then when we've even looked at it further, I think there's Ghanaian. But um, it's so hard to really chase back the history properly. It's really difficult and tried to do that. But your dad was born in Jamaica and came over. Yeah, he came, he didn't know, he didn't even know his real name because he got brought up by his grandmother and she didn't like his original name. So she called him Tony, like Anthony. And then when he got his passport, he said, well, his name's wrong. And he's like, no, that's your actual real name. <laughs> so I said to him, even if he wrote a book, it would be an interesting start. And I think he came over when he was around 17, 18. And your mum, black British. Yeah. From Jamaican descent. Yeah. Um, and culturally or religiously, you are brought up as Rastafarian? Yeah, so both on my grandparents' side, Christian, and then it's almost, it was almost growing up, there was almost like a 50-50 split. It was like Rastafarian and Christian. And it would okay. easily be shown that at the, in December at Christmas time. There'd be all the meat eaters, the Christians on the left-hand side, <laughs> all down one side of the table, and all the Rastas on the right-hand side of the table. And there'd be like at least 12 to like 18 people sat down for Christmas. So how do you think that has kind of influenced you as Dread MC, your, your, maybe your lyrics or your style or...? I, I really believe, like, my mum was trying to grow my locks when I was about five or six, but she just it wasn't matting up, but that's because my nan was taking me to church and was combing out my dreads on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember clearly when I went to church one time and they give you that bread on the tongue and it just didn't feel natural, it didn't feel right to me and that was at a very, very young age. I just remember my my mum and my dad then taking me to like a Naya Bingi in mainly Brom but in London and they're beating the drums and that that definitely resonated me to be like this is more what I'm into and 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 yeah and singing songs about Selassie and knowing more about that culture that that felt more natural and good to me like in my soul like yeah. just naturally that's what I like yeah so for, for, for people who don't understand Nyabingi and um, Rastafari culture could you just explain a little bit what Nyabingi means or what it means to you um basically being Rasta there's a couple of different tribes there's like 12 tribes um you have the Bubba Dreads but I'm into Nyabingi and I've looked into it a little bit further and I've been to Ethiopia but it's mainly about peace and love yeah. and unity and just just treating people equally. And then the big thing for me, out of anything, is is being vegetarian and eating just organic, like good food, like natural food. Natural food, ital food. Yeah, and, and that's still really, really important to me. And that's like the message that I give to my kids really is just to show love, be positive, and 
not eat meat, basically. And I think that's reflected in your music, if that's fair to say. You're kind of I feel so. friendly guy, love and unity. I feel so. Yeah? For real. So, while you were growing up, what artists influenced you? Can you say it was a big influence? Was it your parents' music or...? It's so hard for me to think because there's so much music I was into, like... There's just so much music and there's so much... I've got such a big family, so I'm hearing different types of music from different people I look up to, like my uncles and aunties and my cousins and stuff. Um, so straight away, I remember hearing Capleton, like, foreign. Um, that was just massive. I'd, I'd always put tunes on repeat. And then remember hearing Rebel MC for the first time and that, like, blew my mind. And... I remember having Gabriel dreams on repeat, but then I could almost sense that she got her influences from Tracy Chapman and it felt like she had wrote the lyrics for dreams over like this Tracy Chapman tune that my mum would play. I could hear that. Um, I was into rave music because my uncle would, would be at raving and my neighbour who lived above us, this guy called Science, he would always give me Big up Tapes. to science. Yeah, and then when I was 11, I used to go to like Donovan Bad Boy Smith's house every Friday after school and get a fresh tape pack from him. Ooh, so Donovan used tapes. to play drum and bass same time or was it Yeah, he used, to, he used to play hardcore early days and then it went into like jungle and I was really popular at school because then I'd always have the freshest tapes. The freshest tapes. The freshest <laughs> tapes, like, and... I remember that went on for years. I'd go there regular and I'd met like a lot of like MCs coming through. Yeah, man, a lot of people don't realise the amount of pioneers that actually came from Gloucester and the amount of music that... Oh, look at Brian G, look Brian at Dynamite. G, yeah, Dynamite. There, there's a lot of people that's like really done... Martin Fishley. Yeah. Um, there's Hobbit, the, we, uh, the, the, yeah, yeah, the beat bopping and the, there's a guitarist that was in EMF. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so many people. Um, there's even like Jamie Irie. I think he went to like yeah, Jamaica from early days. Sting. Yeah. There's there's a lot of people, and they're not coming to my head straight away. But and even my dad would. There'd be loads of people that was clashing back then and have yeah, dubs. There's a lot of sound systems growing up. Yeah, there's a lot of different sound systems, and that was part of our culture. That is where we kind of saw a, a reflection of ourselves. I loved it through though. music true sound system I love the flyers yeah. I used to have bare posters on my wall of all different types of dances just wishing I could be at an event or wish or imagining what it was like I, my mum would let me blast my music as loud as I wanted from I don't even know at what age maybe eight nine so music was like a constant in your house always constantly and then in the car it was constant like there's nowhere, there's never like a time when there's not music around. For real, for real. So you said you used to look at the flyers and be inspired by things like that. What was the first dance that you were involved in? What was your first kind of involvement in music like that? I can't even remember now, to be honest. Did you start promoting or did you start MC? Oh no, I was, I was definitely a raver. I was raving from early. So because I've always been not into drinking or drugs at all. People always trusted me. And I remember, I remember chipping in when I was like 16. No, actually, 
Nah, I would have been 16. Some of my boys were 15. We would buy a car or chip in 20 pound and buy a Metro and drive to Reading or drive to Bristol. I remember driving to Bristol with like my boy when Rags. Yeah, no, drive Rags. to Bristol. Yeah. Careful you're not that. Yeah, I know, but yeah, somebody slashed the wheels because I think we just jacked the car up and I saw Koshin performing at um, Trinity. And I was like, I was blown away by the performance. And then when we came out, someone had let down the wheels on the car. But I said to like Flex, why did you park there anyway? Like, it was, I can't remember at the time, but it was, you shouldn't have been parking there anyway. And one of my uncle's friend was there and he said, I can't drive from Bristol knowing that you're from Gloucester, I know your uncle. And I think he must have thought in his head, my uncle might bat him up, like, how are you gonna leave my nephew? <laughs> and you know, he's like a picnic. So me and Marky at the time got in the car and we gave the last bit of money we had to my other two friends to say, you have to make your own way home, like by a train and that. I remember getting a lift back. But then from early age, because everyone knew I didn't take any drink or drugs, I would drive everybody home. So whatever car. So then I started hanging out with the older lot so I was hanging around, so when I was like 16, 17, I was hanging around with people who were like 18, 19, or people who had cars, like people like Monday. Um, and yeah, I was just a driver. So I was just addicted to driving. So my mum bought me a car when I was 17. And I remember straight away, she bought me a car the week before Bristol Carnival. And I went to TK Maxx. TK Maxx was like fresh and chatting them there. And I bought this Ralph Lauren tracksuit. And then the first thing I wanted to do was get a decent science system put in the car. And I did that. And I come to Carnival. So when was the first time you actually braved it to take, touch the mic and, and start emceeing? I was late because all my friends were doing it at like school, but I was more of a listener. And why was that? Why was that? Um. I just didn't have that much of an interest in it. I loved the music and I would always, I would always be, want to be the link up for like computer games, for music, oh, well, for you, movies. You was a hustler. Yeah, then. I was hustling. Like I was selling pirate DVDs, like Menace to Society and Pulp Fiction those days. Like I sold bare copies of those. So I was always into burning off tapes and even like making like my own sort of like mixtapes, just the best sort of like R&B tunes or hip hop tunes. Do a tape and then I'd sell the tape for a 50p and a pound at school. So what about when people were doing sets at their yard and started to, so you said selling hip hop and R&B tapes and people started to make their own kind of drum and bass so There was Brownie. Garage and- Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Brownie. He was one person we used to go and link. There was JD, my half brother. Um, DJs in the area, so these yeah, are DJs in these Gloucester. These are DJs in Gloucester. Around the same sort of age. Um, and I used to just just be there, really. Yeah. Um, there was loads of like pretty good MCs, and I remember just just being more of a not a spitter, spitter, not into lyrics, but good vibes kind of thing. Yeah. But the promoters, Omnipresence, which is. Um, one of the members from that is Lewis and he runs Cygnus Music, a distribution company that's massive in Gloucester tonight. Definitely like one of the leading distributors for like DMB. Um, they booked me for a party and I remember at the time I said to him, there's, there's better MCs like you could put and they said, no, we heard you on this tape. We really like you. We like your vibe. We like your voice. We want you to like host our 
drum and bass part is. It's only like a 150 capacity venue called Monk's Bar. And I remember seeing my name on the flyer and I still weren't going to turn up that, that day. <laughs> and they come to my house to come and pick me up because I, f- I can't remember how I told them. I was like, I'm not... I'm not really. Uh, I was just, I was, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, just yeah, doing yeah. it for fun at my friend's yeah, yeah, house, yeah, yeah, like yeah. with just my boys. There would be like five or eight of us just in the bedroom, just kind of jumping on the mic, everyone spitting, and uh, and I weren't really in it. But I'm so glad they did come and pick me up, and it just kind of just escalated from there really, really quickly. Because then, so was that was that like a regular thing? Like- yeah. So it was. It happened like once a month, just in this little bar. And then my uncle, um, Spooks, he put on a night called like, no, he helped me put on my birthday party. So it was a joint birthday party with my two other best friends. And we booked a couple of MCs like from Brom and that. But um, I got on the mic just to thank everybody for coming and bust a little bar. And everyone was saying, oh, <laughs> you, you just vibes at the whole dance. Yeah, but I said it was like my dance. And that same weekend we went to Cardiff. So my party was on a Thursday night. And Friday we went to Cardiff. And the promoter was originally from Gloucester, March Gilgus, called Funkin' Marvellous. And I can't remember, people was like saying to him, oh, Dread from Gloucester Spits. And he says, yeah, I'm from Gloucester. And I, I think he recognised me and I, just from being around growing up because he's just only a couple of years older. And then um, I got on the mic just for a bit. And afterwards he said, oh, if you come back next month, I'll pay you. And I still said no then. And I was like, I took some flyers from him and I said, no, nah, but I'll be happy just to come down if you give me guest list and like that. So I came down that much. So I took a bunch of flyers, flyer Gloucester, like for him, and then come to Cardiff the month after. And things just started escalating from then because then my uncle started doing parties and then I was getting feedback saying, yeah, can you, can you book, like, could we book EZ? Can we book, like, So Solid and stuff like that? And, um... So that's kind of important, like the, the, the local support and the support of, or the opportunity to do things locally, to kind of build a name and to hone your craft. That's because there was nothing on for us. So then, myself and Malachi started a night called Devoted, and I was just doing ever little music stuff around. The, oh, I was working at the youth and community centre then, just doing business and admin. Like, I was doing a training course, it was like £45 a week, and... I just thought, ah, oh, I want to put on my own little parties and just book artists that I, I want. Yeah. So Malachi was making beats then and I was always in the studio with him, just creating ideas. And then we started doing our own parties just so we could have artists that we like just down here. And then I was partying every weekend possible. Party guinea yeah? Yeah, but I was, I was a driver. So people wanted to roll with me anyway because they knew they'd have a safe driver home. Okay, okay. So, yeah, man. So you said that you spent a lot of time in the studio with Malakai, who was making beats at that time. So what is your process when it comes to creating your lyrics, writing your lyrics? So when you were like when you were doing these events, what was it more like a freestyle thing or pre-written bars? A, a little or? bit. I used to spend loads of times writing. Yeah. And just listening to the tape. tape yeah. Packs so and- I, I would. 
when I was first starting off, like my boys would like, we'd all giggle because they weren't any good. But when I actually wrote down a good 16, yeah. I remember getting my first reload <laughs> at my friend's house with the whole the whole gang in the room. And the, the energy from that, when they're yeah, like, yeah. The cheat, there's nothing better than getting a reload. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's like the ultimate buzz if you're an MC. So when that happened, I was like, bro, I actually wrote a good 16. And yeah, and then things just kind of like escalated from there, really. So most of your stuff is then written, pre-written then? A little bit, like, yeah. not now, hardly at all now. Like, okay. everything comes, the best things from me, because I know myself now, it's like I know myself much later than I should have done. I feel like it's my energy. And even when, like, big producers speak to me, he said, people are maybe not being so much my lyrical content, but it's the energy and vibes that I bring energy onto and a track. And I can already catch a vibe. There's some tunes that I hear and I feel like somebody might have done the vocal but they're not giving it their all. They're not yeah, giving yeah. it 100%. I don't I don't feel their energy. I don't feel like they're fully confident in what they're saying. Like I could just say anything. Actually, even this week I got given a beat and the beat's like pretty cool, just a nice little bass vibe and my daughter had bubblegum the day before and was just trying to blow this bubblegum, saying, how'd you blow this bubblegum? And I said, oh, you have to wrap it around your tongue, try and blow some air. And, and I was like, who gave you this bubblegum? You have to get rid of it. Like, it was just making me a bit mad anyway. And then I went to the studio that night and I've made a tune that's called Bubblegum. <laughs> and already, I've already sent it out to like about 10 DJs just to kind of just test out. So there's a little method to the madness. And yeah, yeah so <laughs> anything... <laughs> <laughs> so anything I do, anything that's around me that's like positive or just nice or things that I just catch on that day, yeah, yeah, I will yeah, just yeah. I will just go into the studio. I don't even know what I'm going to write half the time. I'm See. just... I just I just chat for about 15 minutes, then I listen back and I thought, that, that word's all right, that line's all right. Actually, that's a kind of little vibe. Same, same, and then same. I just kind of build from there. And like, we've we've done a tune together and that was I, I one of my favorite though. tunes. I, I wrote your bits as well though. No, you never. He's a lyrical. You're a joker. <laughs> <laughs> You're a joker. Yeah, well, this is Ryder Shafiq and I'm interviewing Dread MC for IMC.
future up out here and change ways Lost system out here for days Keep watch front side and rear Nothing in life out here is clear I want a rhythm that's sick and grimy I want a rhythm that is rough and weighty I want a sub that can actually move me I want a wave like a 4D movie I want a scan like a 3D printer Wrong time, wrong place and it's over Some are hanging out here like vulture Lifestyle out here and vulture It's cold, it's murder, it's rough It's danger, games getting played rock night paper And I'm going in deeper It's like I'm living inside a speaker Bass weight on a track like nature And I don't wanna talk to a faker But now the whole place hot like Jamaica just heard We Are Talk, a tune by myself and Jed MC. So, Jed, tell the people them how that came about. Um, originally, it was a beat that we got from a producer in Manchester called Young H. And I remember I booked out the studio for like eight or no, maybe eight or ten hours. And I invited different MCs down that day, like Grim Sickers, T-Man, Dashvilles, Bluesy, yourself. So while somebody was like in the booth recording, somebody else was right writing. So we had like two hours to do that. Took me like, how long it took me? No, it took me long. Yeah, but you didn't do much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, I felt like, cause the pressure was on and you have all those creative people, like everyone's kind of sharing ideas or working. Yeah. I felt like it was such a good day. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's mad that only now this tune is coming out cause that was well over two years ago. Yeah, man. Um, and I've that's had, how it goes with music sometimes, man. Yeah, we'll and no, you can't rush music. And I think when you make something this, I feel I'm gonna say quality. When you make something this like, good, there's no date on the the sound really. It might need touching up a bit, but there's no date on that sound you've created because you're not trying to make tunes that are hot now. You're just trying to create some credible music in a way, or just gonna get a vibe. And I know this tune just came naturally in a way for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, big respect for making the link and calling me to be on the tune. Well, you, know, you made the link to get Aishan. Yeah, the remix. Uh, yeah. That's how and, it got though. I, that, that was and my, that's how it works, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And that was my next kind of point is like, are you about that bringing other MCs, bringing other vocalists through? Of do you know course. what I mean? Because To me, even on that same day, there's yeah. another tune I had and it's called Money and Drugs and the original drop wasn't good enough and the producer showed me like maybe three other versions and I was like it's not that good enough so I said to I said oh give it to Notion so then he gave it to Notion and Notion did the drop within like a day or two days and then it got sent back and he said oh I know where to go with this now and then touched that with his sound and they went back and forth a bit and then that tune did really well for us like and I feel it's good to collaborate with different people and different artists and different signs and for me that's always been like one of my main things really I will just shout yeah you're the one that gets on with most people 
Well, I think that's comes from the Naya Thingy background and being about peace for and love yeah, you know. <laughs> and unity. For real, for real, definitely, definitely. What I was going to ask is how do you find the relationship with a lot of these producers that you work with? How, how's the process? Do they just send you beats and you just do your thing or you more a man that would like to be in the studio and take bits out of the beat and say how you want the beat arranged, yeah, your vocals? I'm... Over the years, like now, I'm hoping people don't think I'm a bit like a diva. I don't think they do, but I, I know some people might get frustrated with me because I'll be like, no, I need to record that one word again. But I never used to be like that. I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's all right. Oh, it's not really working. Um, I had this tune that I've done called Peace and Love with um, Snow. Yeah. And we couldn't get the vocal right. And all... Normally I would have just been like, oh, it's not working. Like, cause he said, oh, we're not really getting and it's not sounding right. And I knew it weren't sounding right. But I said, I'm so determined now to like work hard. I said, no, I said, let me just change the mic setting up. So we actually just lowered the mic down. Instead of me shouting upwards, I do my vocals down and putting my arms out and like kind of getting into it. And then we nailed it within like five, 10 minutes. And he's like, geez, is that all we had to do? And I was just like, that's good that I'm in that process and being more confident in myself. But when I speak to a producer, sometimes I just have to speak to them on the phone for like 20 minutes, half an hour. To feel their energy, their yeah. vibe, their and ethos. more recently, because of FaceTime and stuff like that, I will FaceTime a producer and be like, yo, I'm in the studio now. What do you think of this? Or is this on the right level? And they might be like, yeah or no. Like, or not. There is times when a producer saying, nah, this ain't right or it's not working. That doesn't bother me at all. I can just take the vocal, give it to somebody else, which has happened recently. But then I'll go back to the producer and I've given him another vocal, completely different idea. And I said, what do you think of this? Because it will just make me work harder. Like, I'm just determined to try to create and just work get the best. hard. Yeah. yeah, get the best. I hear that, I hear that. So I re-record some tunes so many times. I might re-record stuff in different places, like three or four times, maybe even more sometimes. You got my number, Dan. You should you should call me. You know, <laughs> me a professional, you know. I know you I are. I can give you some tips, bro. You're, you're, you're a Network. grinder. <laughs> yeah. So what are you like in the in the studio, then? Bro, this is this is my show. Is I'm asking the question. You understand? <laughs> we want to know about you. It's not it's not you asking me. Yeah, but you're secretive. When you go to the studio, we, I don't hear from you. You're just locked off. Studio, I used to, years ago, I used to write a lot at home, listening to the beat, the beat. I tend to write on how the beat makes me feel. I never generally write lyrics without no music. So the beat makes me, gives me a feeling, it gives me ideas. It, it, how the beat makes me feel is what, I, what comes across lyrically. So in the studio, now a lot of the time I would tend to write in the studio, have a vibe and just keep my flow going in my head, keep that pattern, that vocal pattern and just keep the, keep the beat on, on repeat and just let it flow, just, just build it like that, you know what I mean? I, I feel like that's the natural way and that's how I have been recently, so it's, it's kind of similar but I never used to be like that before. I would be listening to the beat, writing at home, writing at home but then when I go to record it, it doesn't yeah. sound as good as it, sounds it did when Sounds different when, when was, you hear your voice yeah. back and it, the, 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 the arena's kind of changed. 
you kind of everything sounds different so yeah so that's why I sometimes record a draft I might take a week or a couple of days to listen back to it and be like do you know what that needs changing that word's not right let me go and re-record it and I then, do that as well yeah to be fair listen back to the recording change a few words here and there listen to the flow think where I could make it better think what could be changed different voices different layers yeah Yeah, oh I love layers layers are so important to me for real and processing of the vocals that's why it's so important for a producer there's some producers that I've been working with like I would have pulled out the tune if they didn't if I say you have to give it to this engineer to process the vocals because it's not good enough but now they send the they send where the track has gone and the results it has come back from that and they might not see it straight away but afterwards six months down the line or a year down the line they'd be like do you know what that was the right thing that we did do but some people are really protective over their sound the other thing is just like no one turns the vocals up high enough (laughs) so when it's on a in the studio it will sound great and like loud and punchy but when you put it in a sound system in like some little dry club or you're on a boat party and you're it's, it's like on some little speakers that are trying to like almost like distorted. Struggling, yeah, 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 yeah. you need those vocals cutting through. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like if a producer's listening to this, if you think it's not loud enough, still turn it up. Tony up. <laughs> For real. And, and just be like, if you process the vocals good enough, it will sound sick and it will yeah, sound yeah. nice. Why do you think producers do that? Why do you think they don't turn the... They want everything on that perfect level, that perfect balance, because it sounds great in the studio. You're not going to build a tune in some terrible studio. It's good if you play it through your phone, play it through some your car system. Like most of the music I listen back to is in my car. Yeah, yeah. So and then I, I car test. Yeah, it's like the car test. Then you need the headphone test. Then you need. But I've got like six different headphones in my house. I will test out all of them. I got this one Sony headphone. That. They're not really that great. It's just over bassy. Like, but I listen to that, and I, if it's over bassy and the vocals still cut through, I'm like, yeah, that's sounding all right now. So, and I got different headphones, like Sennheisers, that I just six I de- headphones, yeah. Well, maybe more, because then I've had I have my daughter's headphones when I couldn't find the other headphones that I couldn't like. So I just put those on. Your MC fee must be high, bro. Six headphones. Oh, hear you! You're a joker. Me, <laughs> <laughs> have one when we get free with my with yeah, my well, I've four. Got two you know? of them free. Yeah, two of them did come free. So don't, so don't, so don't do me like that. So name I some of the producer you work with, Jed. Name, yeah. what, name drop. Drop some names, man. Make it people them know what I'm going. You know what I mean? I, if I they want to search your so tunes. So I'm with Taiki New Light. We've been creating mad things. Yeah. So while he's sleeping, I'm in the studio at like. One UK based, where is he based? So he's based in Brighton. Same. And originally he's from Mongolia. Okay, okay, okay. And I can hear the creative sounds in his music. He's really creative. That's what I just love. I just love different sounds anyway. And I always try and make music that's slightly different. Um, I've been in the studio with a guy called Bush Baby who's firing right now. Um, I've worked with Red Light so many times like over the years and been in the studio when he's created like some of his biggest tunes um and I think that's also good in the studio to have different people that give different vibes it's not everybody you need to hear on the mic or whatever but certain energy certain people build a vibe help that creative process yeah because I've been in with producers and they're just listening to a snare for like two hours This, and I'm like 
this is madness. Like someone like Joker, he'd be like, oh, does that sound better now? And I said, I can't tell the difference. <laughs> like he's a bit mad. Like he's crazy when he's creating. And, but his sound quality is phenomenal. Big up Joker, come in want to come look for you. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Me not defend you, you know. It's nothing well, that I wouldn't say. You, but you understand? Say behind his back that I wouldn't say to his face. See, see, see. Yeah, he's, he's a scientist in the lab. Any um, favourites that you work with? There's no favourites. Like, I just enjoy... I love meeting new people. See. And having a session. Like... There's a guy that I thought was from the States. There's two people I've worked who I thought was from the States originally. One called, I think you pronounce it as Gawp, like G-A-W-P. We was in the studio together recently and he said he doesn't really work with vocalists. And we had such a good time. Like it was, it was just fun. And then Axel Boy, we've just been working on a couple of little ideas and stuff, but we've got a tune that literally we just signed today to an American label. Um, and I literally will just message different producers and producers will message me. Yeah, yeah. And, but then I will work with anybody as long as the music's good. Okay. Or if I get a vibe off the music. Like, so I'll work with some really, really big producers, like someone like AC Slater, um, some guys called Volax, two guys from Russia. We've made like an amazing tune with this other guy called Dusty Clyde, and he's originally from France and living in So the thing, Vegas international dread. Yeah, so. The thing global. Yeah, so, and I've never really spoke to them on the phone or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. It's just, you know, but, um, and I've worked with like this guy called Yumna Black. We've just done a garage track and I didn't even realize it was his first release, but he was super happy that we heat, we like hit the beatport like garage charts and I've seen him play at a festival this year and the tune's playing and the, I even commented on his like picture because he's grinning up and I said check out the smile and like this guy Freddie Martin like some of his early releases like so I'll work with anybody yeah as long as I'm interested in the music you're gonna really. get bare messages after this then so tell me what you prefer then really and truly. Is it is, is it the live thing or the studio? What That's as an MC what 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 so was? hard to say. Yeah. Um I So you started mainly live, isn't it? More than yeah. recording. In a, yeah, so it was kind of recording because I'm doing tapes okay, yeah, in yeah, my yeah. house with like all my friends. So they'd be yeah, like yeah, yeah. sometimes we'd have clashes with people and because okay. I'm not a lyrics spitter, I would just like pause in a beat and then I'll just say something like shut your blood clot and that would just mash up the, the clash anyway because it's just slightly different I'm not dropping these bars or yeah, 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 I'd yeah. say some really inappropriate things about but that's unique get, to you I yeah. think that's important so, and, and that's how I would like kind of win in a clash when we was like starting off as MCs Vibes, man. but then I always felt like it was always more of a negative vibe doing that and clash. I was just like yeah so even when people ask me to do dubs and that I'm like nah you rather build and kill, yeah? Yeah, and I'd rather, I'd rather have people connected and collaborate rather than clashing people and running people down. I hear that. Because it, it, and it, yeah, it's just not nice. Yeah, yeah. People say like, oh yeah, it's just, just a bit of banter or it's just a little joke and say, but nah, not really, because some people take things to heart, really, and nobody don't want to lose in a clash, <laughs> do they? But me and you did Red Bull Sound Clash. That was amazing. We did that. That was amazing. I think there's a balance to it all, man. You can do it creatively. You can do it constructively. Yeah. If it's about the music, the car, there's 
the clash thing is coming up now as well. There's been like jungle clashes. And I love them different though. Bits I actually do love it. It's like almost like my favorite thing, but I almost. You don't want it to be personal. Yeah. And I, lo- I love listening to it. Competition is good though. Yeah, of course it is. Constructive but competition. I try, but I also say like, I'm not in competition with nobody. Mm-hmm. I'm just literally just doing my thing and working and just wanting to network and meet up with other people and learn about other cultures and other sounds and other music. But if you hear a big tune, if you hear somebody come with something really impressive, well, that, that inspires, yeah, I doesn't that drive that. you to do something equally as good or some kind of, not better, but... Yeah, of course it That's does. That's the kind of competition I've, I'm talking, do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course it does. Like, I get, I get inspired by so many things, but it don't even have to be music. I might get inspired if I see somebody setting up their own business or designing their own clothes, or if they're rocking some different kind of style. You kind of dabbled in that still, ain't it? The clothes thing? Yeah, I, I do it now. I'm yeah. doing it now, but I've just kept it to myself. The reason I do it is cheaper for me to make my own clothes than to be buying any sort of fancy designer. Because you spend your money on headphones, yeah? Joker. <laughs> What's your divert from the question? What do you prefer, live or? Oh yeah. <laughs> or studio. I, d- I love them both. I you do a lot of live work, don't you? Loads, and I love it. I absolutely love, and I take it so seriously. Like it's not, it's not a joke to me. It's not like it might look like it's almost. It's not rehearsed, but I will go over tracks. I will sit in the studio with the producer, going over tunes. I will listen to the sort of like tunes that we might be playing and I'll work out, oh, there's something coming in that eight bar or there's gonna be the sound. Let me have a lyric or something that kind of connects to that, that sound of that music. So you, you've done it for a long time and I know that you can be booked to jump on anyone's set and you could do yeah, that. Yeah, I can adapt. But you do regular things with My New Leng and you did regular things with and red light. Yeah. What would, do you think that's better as an MC to know the actual people that yeah. you're DJing with? And well, some people might disagree, but I feel it is because you build up a relationship and you like, know the tunes. I know. And... I I worked with Shy FX one year, and we hadn't ever really worked together. I've done a couple yeah. of sets before, but we did Glastonbury. I got asked to do his Glastonbury set, and I did the Damian Marley out in the streets. Yeah, yeah. Like, but. It was just as he queued at the tune, so we both looked at each other in shock because then the crowd just roared. Like, <laughs> it was sick. And the, it was coming like we rehearsed that bit. Rasta man thing, natural mystic, yeah? But <laughs> I can be with Leng now and I know what tune they're going to bring in, even if it's not like they might have some mixes that they do all the time. But I just felt like, ooh, do you know what tune would work right now? And then they'll be playing that tune. It's almost like we're all connected. Same, same, same. Just musically, because we're we're in the car together. We're going over tunes together. I sit in the studio with them. Yeah. Um, and we're on the road together doing sets. I think that's noticeable, and if you spend a lot of time yeah. with the, MC, with the um, DJs and they likewise with the MC, it's noticeable in in, in the set that you in, in the performance. And and we speak about the set afterwards. Like they'd be like oh, it wasn't really popping off at the site. I was like, are you mad? I said, it was going mad, but yeah, you're yeah. so far as a DJ maybe. And I said, I'm the connection between the DJ and the crowd. So I'm actually seeing the pockets of energy yeah, or yeah. when things are like, it, it's not about everybody just jumping up all the time or yeah, yeah, yeah. fingers. Like you can see the vibes and the energy. And I always like try and clock a couple of people in the crowd and just yeah. see like they stay in for the whole set. I just wanna, they're like almost my markers to know. So, re- so regarding that role, what, what, how do you see your role as an MC or what do you see 
is the role of an MC? What makes a good MC? Do you think it's about chatting over everything, being on all the rhythm or nah, kind of controlling listen, a vibe? I'm not here to knock lyrical? anybody if they want to do that. Like, I'm a guy who I just don't do like the ollie, ollie, ollie. I never do that. Yeah. So I realise I swear a lot when I'm when I'm on the mic and I don't really swear. Your mum asked me to talk to you about that. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> Minaj. Joker. Um so <laughs> I just I feel it's important to just know when to let the music breathe, but also not just saying stuff to fill in these gaps. Like yeah. I will put the mic down at some some points. I seen you doing some big Rastaman stomp on Instagram with you. <laughs> That was some ninja man, ninja man business. You're a joke. Kind of all round entertainer, do a little bit of dance. Yeah, but I feel that's important. Like I'm in the music. The persona there. Yeah, and I don't want to be doing sets that I don't feel like I can comp like compl compliment. compliment. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be. And you have to feel the set that you're into, emceeing for. Yeah, or, yeah. But I think that comes across on the stage, like. I enjoy almost every single set. So there's one set that we did abroad one time with Lang, and he's like, "Oh, how was that for you?" And I said, "I don't think you played a great set." And <laughs> like, so he's like upset, but I said it was just a chill. But we're able to always talk and communication. Yeah, yeah. communicate, and then and then we break it down. Mind. But they said like, gave me some feedback before, like, "Oh, you did this thing going ah, like don't do that on the mic anymore." <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, that's cool." Like, you didn't take offense. Of Nah, not really, because I'm here to learn and also build. Like, and I feel like some. You don't believe my Yari Rasta. Yeah, like. Your heart clean, daddy. Yeah, but I feel that's important because why would I take offense? I said some people, producers or MCs, they might take offense. Like, I'm not saying anything to anybody to be malicious or yeah, bad mind yeah, yeah. in any way. I want to see everybody succeed, especially if they're around me or we just vibe off each other's energy I want to see. see people do well That's and good, th this That's game nice. is hard this game ain't easy like people think oh you just got paid just to do an hour set I didn't get paid just to do an hour I said it took me two hours to drive to this event I've prepared already for this set and I spent loads of time just paying for my own studio time that comes out of all my money you're gonna get beaten when you get home by your wife because you're out all night nah not really if, if she doesn't know <laughs> yeah. I'm already out like I sneak out a lot <laughs> and it's easier like it's for me to like even link up with you now she's gone to bed yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, out yeah, working yeah. after this interview I'm going straight to the studio yeah, man. and I'm telling you to come <laughs> so like you've done a lot you've been you've been all over the world MC and hear you so. when you're more international no, oh man, no, bruv, man. stop but it you're, you're international, your, come on. Tell me some of your favourite places or your favourite performances. Um, I remember doing Sonar Festival. and Where was that, uh, Sonar? In Spain. Yeah. And Miss Dynamite was with us. Yeah. And then MIA jumped on the stage and was just dancing on our set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so hard to take it in because you're just in the zone because the crowd is so massive and it was getting recorded for the BBC okay. and I had to get permission because I wanted to say Bumba Club. And they had to get permission you, you for it. You also ask me that. for permission before you say that on this <laughs> yeah. as well. You know that. Well, you can cut it out. You can say, yeah, yeah just cut it out. Yeah. And then that set was just amazing to me. I love... There's so many places I've, I've 
been to that I've enjoyed. Like went to Germany with my new Leng and I said, let's just still just do our set, be raw and edgy. And it was crazy in there. And they said, normally they don't have MCs, but I feel like that is eventually changing now. Cause like they see the vibes and the energy online just from Instagram and Twitter. And it's a it's a new generation of yeah, music the MC, lovers. MC culture is, is strong in the UK, but other places they don't really. Well, I feel that's an old mentality. But don't you feel that a lot of places that, well, I don't know. I might be wrong, but I feel like the, the new listeners and the new sound, like so many DJs now jump on the mic and chat. And I feel like I'm, I'm not really but there is a skill to it, isn't it? Every, it's not just about taking that mic and anybody just taking that nah, mic. Nah, I really believe there is a skill because some people think it's easy, but when you actually see the difference, like I really look up to Rage. He's a he's a don. Yeah. He doesn't have to say too much. His stage presence alone is incredible. And I feel like if you watch, like when Keith Flint was on stage, he didn't even have to chat sometimes. Yeah. The energy that he's just got on show is mad. So do you study that? Do you study other MCs or other vocalists? That... It's, I go, I if I'm not booked, yeah. especially years ago, I would be out clubbing all the time. I used to hit up Nicky Black Market when I was younger, saying, can I just roll with you? And I'd just, just be rolling with him and he'd do like two, three sets in a night because he was, he'd just moved to Stride those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd chat TC, where you playing? Can I get guest list? I'd yeah. chat at Clips, where you playing at? I, so anybody I could roll with, if I didn't have a show on or a night on, I was ringing them. I remember one time when I had to come to see Clips, I didn't even know I was getting home. You, you and Malachi dropped me to his studio when I was young. And I didn't even know I was getting home, but I just yeah. said, I need to be in the studio with this guy because he's making some sick music. So, so you're kind of you, putting the work, man. You, 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 you've been making things happen. You've been... Yeah. So I watch other MCs. Yeah. And you can always learn from... Of course, definitely. From other people. Definitely. Like, look when we went to The Clash in London at the O2, the yeah. Culture Clash there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Popcorn was on and everybody, like... That was amazing to watch everybody's different take and vibe that they brought to the stage. For real, yeah man. And you could see the ones who were really, really professional and really was on their craft. Yeah. Like Stormzy was on point and that was back then, like he was on point, like yeah. so strong. This is Ryder Shafiq, you're listening to IMC, special guest Jed MC.
Dread, you're, you're, you're an upbeat guy. You're positive, <laughs> full of energy, full of vibes. But is there anything about the business or the industry that you struggle with or you're not, you're not so happy with? Um, I would say probably like sorting out splits or sorting out contracts. Like almost like the bigger the artist or the bigger the name, I find like they try and squeeze you out because you might not have a manager or you might just be small. But I really know myself now. And I will just openly say to a label or a manager, I said, this is the side of the business that makes me uncomfortable. And yeah. I will argue my case and argue my grant. And I'm happy to just pull out of a tune. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. drop of a hat. I'd be like, nah, don't use my vocals and take me off it. I Do you feel... have a manager? Nah, 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 nah. What about with the bookings as well? Is there someone that yeah, handles the bookings? I've got so... an agent and okay. she's absolutely amazing. Okay. Um, shout out to Hannah at Echo. Um, so she does the bookings so all that side for, for is my new length, yeah. And then I deal with a couple of my bookings that are direct for myself. So I've got like just a couple of one-off shows. Like I got a really big one with Stanton Warriors, and that's same okay. again with the singer from Koshin. So okay. to me, this is like a dream come true. It's like yeah, one of yeah, the yeah. first artists I've seen live. I'm gonna be sharing the stage with her, and this is almost like 15 years later. Right? For real, it's funny how things come back round. It's it? crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Like. That's going to be amazing to me. So your main, your, the main gripe is mainly with all the contract and all the legal, the business side of things. <laughs> it's like the business side of things, but it's not that bad because it is part of the job and it is yeah. part of what you you need to learn and know about. So it's good if you do know about this. And How I, did you I, get to know about it? Who kind, is anyone no, nobody. looking you, out or kind of helping no. you with it? So there's no, like, there's no guidance plans. I think there's more help now. Yeah. And you can we need find to set up an MC's union then. <laughs> oh, jeez, I've got, but I kind of have. I've got like a base WhatsApp group, and okay. there's about. So, all men in group, Dan? Because you're not into base and you're too uh, controversial and you like cuss people down. But obviously, I link you up with the <laughs> producers and you're ready to do a tune. Now, we've, we've kind of literally got a little bit of a support group. So, yeah. there's some established big producers in there and like MCs, and there's like some up and comers and everybody will share ideas or share okay. tips or give advice. Um, that's That's been really helpful. Um, What's the most helpful advice you've been given then through your career? I'm not sure about the advice I've been given, but the thing that I've learned is, oh, to take criticism. Yeah. And it's not personal. Yeah. And you can always learn from it. But the best advice, and I've seen it, like, work so well, like, is just be nice to people and just treat everybody equally. Okay. Like, I remember going to Amsterdam and the reason I got let into, like, this exclusive, like, venue yeah. is because one of the managers for the new guys said, oh, you can let Dread in, Dread is cool. And when we came, I know why he did it, because when we was growing up in Bristol, everyone was dissing him or like just kind of mocking him while he's just a little boy kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he literally pointed me out and said, you know, Dred's cool. And I was just like, but I, I will be cool with everybody because yeah. I'm just like that anyway. So regardless, I want everyone to just be nice and positive around me. I don't like any fake attitude really to be truthful. Seen, seen. But somebody said to me recently, I'm too nice. And I was just you like- You need a balance, don't you? Yeah. It's not about being horrible or or ignorant or showing off to people but 
you have to stand your ground in certain things, you understand? And that's also, why I feel I it's important with like the paperwork thing. So I keep a copy of all my contracts. Yeah. And I ask for equal splits on every tune, regardless if I'm just saying one line or if I'm doing a whole verse. Because I'm bringing something original to the table and something unique to it. It's not like you're getting a vocal from Splice that you end up finding that somebody else has used or somebody's pitched down the vocal and used it or you're getting something that no one else has got. Yeah. So you're, that's like one of my main arguments and I feel like I'm just trying to, I will, if I've got a release coming, I will put the most work in. I will push it and plug it as much as if it is I all mean, my I mean own tunes. I mean that um, WhatsApp group, the plug-in one where you, where you, where you. All where right, you, you, all right. You'll you get added, you'll get added. With them. I mean it, I mean it already. <laughs> but I'm not in the, the MC's union, the bass thing where you have. Yeah, I can add you. They, they no wanna one, hear. I, I don't beg nothing, you understand? Oh, you're not begging it. So as an MC, MC Dread, what are your kind of aspirations? Are you, are you happy with what you've achieved so far? Do you want more? Would you like to perform in I maybe different mm, arenas? I think it's natural to always want more. Yeah. Um, there's goals that I set myself, like just personal goals. And most of those goals I don't reach, but then the other things that I do reach, I'm, and I really appreciate everything that happens that I that I get really or yeah. things that happen I try and appreciate the moment and not be like oh I should be doing this oh why aren't I on that booking or why aren't I on this tune or why did they not use my vocal more in this track like I just appreciate the network of people that surround me and the opportunities I have that's why I take every opportunity really seriously For real, we have to value value these opportunities because we're surrounded by so many great people we've done so much it's easy to forget that and overlook that when... Yeah, and you can get complacent easily. So my main thing I've always had is don't get complacent. Treat everybody equally and nice because you don't know who's going to bust or who's going to blow. You could write the 10 Jed Commandments, you know. <laughs> Treat everybody equally. Don't be complacent. Don't eat meat. <laughs> yeah. And there is stuff that I want to achieve, but I'm happy. Yeah. And I always just try and be happy and try and have a nice balance. Make sure I hit up old friends and make sure I enjoy the music and enjoy the opportunities that I have. It's great. I get to travel to places I would never thought I'd get to see or, yeah, yeah. or never thought I would ever go there in my life. So this is the first episode of IMC. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for coming along, Dread MC. I hope Big ups. people have learned more about you. Where can we give some people some information about where they can check you and get? All my socials are all the same. Dread MC, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. I don't do Snapchat, even okay. though i got a tune called Snapchat. But if you listen to the vocals, you know the reason why I don't have Snapchat. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm always open to, to kind of like hit people up or or collaborate is, is the one thing all right then judge respect thanks hey, man bless you know saying so i the pigeon rap guru there so and rabana yeah you didn't listen to imc keep on locked no car no leg